Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from Western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. in session and today we are talking about robotech but not the robotech you might be thinking about as always i'm your host scott white also known as professor rpg and this week i have the pleasure of welcoming to the university a fellow scott a frequent warhammer 40k announcer over on hyper rpg norse mythology expert toy collector and the author of naming your little geek the complete list of comic book video games sci-fi and fantasy names Mr. Scott Rubin, how's it going, Scott? He's doing great. That was an awesome introduction. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, th- well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, but yes, uh, so glad we've talked like our friend. We're mutual friends of Jessica mm-hmm. uh, Lynn Verde. We've we've chatted. I've been over on your amazing Warhammer podcast. Um, I've seen you do all sorts of things from recounting, like reading Dune over <laughs> <Yep>. on Jess's <laughs> channel. You do uh, Warhammer unboxing and toy collecting, all sorts of stuff over on your Twitch channel. Um, so you have really, really high nerd cred, I must say. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, but but it's so good to like sit down and just chat and nerd out with you about something I actually wasn't even aware of until you brought it up to me. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, my God. I have so many geek uh, loves and interests over the years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. But yes, we are talking about uh, Palladium Games 1986. They're mm-hmm. the Robotech tabletop RPG system. Now, this initially released... Oh, uh, I had my tab open with all the the dates on it. I'm okay. There we go. Yes. <laughs> now, so first, uh, the first edition, mm-hmm. book one, labeled Macross, released in November of 1986, and was followed up and pretty much kept going until July of 1998. Mm-hmm. So lasted the first edition and second edition lasted for quite a while. And just to get you tabletop dice rollers back in kind of the mindset, if you were playing games back then, some other notable releases back in 1986 included GURPS, the mm. Mech Warrior tabletop, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, 2300 AD, and 9th Generation. So I'm familiar with Warhammer, GURPS, and Mech Warrior. Mm. The other ones, not as much, but surprising yeah that, that's Gerps is still around i know yeah that's interesting to, to to put it in terms of what else was coming out at the same time huh cool <laughs> never yeah. never thought of it that it's, way it's like really it's it's kind of fun with the the video games like when the generations like super nintendo existed at the same time as like playstation one and it's like wait that doesn't make sense to me but it's hmm. also cool to see tabletop stuff um sure yeah which is a whole nother beast. But for the folks, listener, the listeners out there, uh, tell us a bit about yourself. When did you uh, start getting into tabletop RPGs, toy collecting and 
all your other hobbies. Sure. Oh my God, there's so many. <laughs> What's your uh, timeline? Right. Uh, so yeah, I was I was born at the very end of the 1970s, like at the, literally the very end of it. Uh, so I'm old. But um, you know, I started I started off on geek stuff very early. Uh, my dad was a geek, so I was growing up watching Star Wars and Star Trek. Uh, the earliest movie I can remember going to was Ghostbusters. I think I was like five years old. Nice. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, I mean, we had, you know, we had Dune. We were watching the the BBC Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So all that stuff when I was really, really little. And then uh, I didn't know about role playing games until I was in Boy Scouts. So this would be, like, I guess I was around 13 or so. And uh, mm-hmm. I, went, I was at a meeting where people were sort of scattered and doing their own thing. And there were these guys sitting around a table and they had all these books and they were really excited about what they were doing. I was like, what is this? Uh, and it turns out they were playing Rifts, which got me uh, okay. familiar with Palladium. Uh, and then mm-hmm. shortly thereafter, I had discovered that they had a Robotech game. Uh, I had been a fan of Robotech since it came out in 85. Uh, I had watched it on TV every week. I, I recorded episodes onto my VHS, uh, wore out those tapes. So I was I was already a hardcore Robotech fan. And when I found out that they had a role playing game for it, I was like, oh, my God, I have to have this. Uh, I think I have all of the books except for one of them. But um, there may <laughs> may or may not be PDFs. Out Very there. nice. Uh, so, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, I have I have some silly stories again, like in in Boy Scouts, uh, the first the first overnight camping trip that involved hiking. Uh, each kid was just told, OK, here, you know, here are the things you need to pack and then show up with your backpack. And then mm-hmm. they went down the line to you know make sure everything was safe and secure, right? So they get to they get to me and they go to lift up my bag and it's it weighs like twenty pounds and I, I'm this tiny <laughs> tiny person I'm like what the heck is in your bag? And they open it up and on the list of things to pack was uh, something to do you know in your downtime. So I had a stack of role playing game books in my backpack, <laughs> not realizing what that would be like trying to hike it into a campsite. Oh, miles I can't away. imagine. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so I quickly handed those off to the parents before we got underway, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, that was just the start. And then, I mean, I've played all, I think I've played every version of D and D. Um, I, I have a huge role-playing game book collection. I just, I've just always loved reading them. I mean, I've got, I think I have every version of shot, every edition of shadow run. Uh, like I said, rifts, I have. Mm-hmm. I have literally dozens of Rifts books. <laughs> there are so many of them. Um, yeah, and then just like all the weird one-offs, like the the buff mm-hmm. the Buffy game, uh, the Army of Darkness game. The uh, uh, there's so many. Do you have the Sailor Moon tabletop RPG rulebook? I, and I stuff? don't, but that sounds really cool. I've got a couple of like an like generic anime, so they they mm-hmm. have sections and rules for magical girls but I, I don't have the sailor moon one specifically no i'll have to get that i might have a pdf oh okay that i totally obtained legally if you want it sure <laughs> there are so many it of those tells you there. how to make your own sailor scout it's nice choice that sounds awesome um, it's very good it's very yeah. very silly 90s yeah uh and then yeah and then more recently with uh with twitch streaming i've been part of some um you know, role playing role playing game shows, which are a, an interesting mm-hmm. beast in in and of itself. Sort of combining 
tabletop role playing with uh you know that entertainment factor so you're yeah. more or less playing the game and also being entertaining and it's making yeah. it a show but yeah very cool yeah it's uh from my own scouting background uh my nerd group we we were magic players mm. so it was slightly easier to take our cards with us <laughs> on hikes and camping trips sure than uh rpg books yeah. i can't I just remember I do remember my school backpacks, though, when I had to take the giant books and lug them Mm -hmm. to and from. I I can't imagine then walking through the wilderness for miles with with those in my back, which is and it's funny. um, I'll tie that into something I'm going to talk about with the with the Robotech RPG in a little while, Mm -hmm. uh, because there's there's a funny there's a funny little thing about that, that the company tried and it ultimately failed. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. But yes, let's talk about let's dive into Palladium's Robotech RPG. Now, this uses the their signature megaversal system of uh, gameplay. Yeah, Um, (laughs) it's a similar rule system based around uh, like physical and mental statistics generated by rolling 3D6 using D20s percentile dice, the 2D10s. So very similar uh, in that regard to other popular, uh, well-known uh, TTRPGs. So mm-hmm. as a fellow Robotech fan, like the VF one is probably still one to this day, one of my favorite mecha of all time. Yeah. Um, kind of tell us what, how did they transition or how did they bring the epic nature of Robotech into mm-hmm. the tabletop space back then? Yeah, it's a great question. And luckily for, for the company, they already had the rifts game. And so if for those of you who mm-hmm. aren't, aren't familiar with it, uh, Rifts essentially is it takes place on Earth in the s- somewhat distant future. And um, Earth technology has got super high. But then also there was a little bit of magic and there was an event that sort of like kickstarted magic back on Earth. And it literally opened Rifts to other planets, dimensions, Um all sorts of creatures came flooding in. And so it was a setting that that combined essentially everything. There's tons of fantasy elements, sci-fi elements, horror. Uh, you can pretty much play anything you can imagine in that game. Um, and they use a lot of like real world uh, Earth mythology mm-hmm. stuff, which was cool. So they already had a system that involved things that could account for giant robots and stuff like that. Mainly through the complexity of the SDC and MDC system. Uh, so, <laughs> all right. So the mega. And what are those for people yeah, that might not be familiar? Yeah, no, for sure. So the the what they call the, the megaversal. Usually, it's just called the Palladium system or the Rift system. Uh, this this system is very complicated. It is not user friendly at all. Uh, as you said, the even the the core attributes. There are too many of them. Uh, there's lots of tables, so many tables to roll on and to pick stuff out of. I mean, if you're if you're that kind of fan of RPGs, mm-hmm. then it's great. But um, but essentially what they did was they realized early on that it was impossible to scale hit points and structure points from a human all the way to a giant robot. So they split mm-hmm. it up and they said, OK, everything that's small and weak has SDC, so structural damage capacity uh everything Mm -hmm. that's huge and really powerful has mdc mega damage capacity and so you have this system where uh like the weakest 
mega damage pistol might only do, you know, one to four mega damage, but that translates to hundreds of SDC points. Uh, so, and then they give this, there, there was, I love, there was an example they give in the book to try to wrap your head around it. Uh, and it's about a, mm-hmm. a, a guy sitting in a tank and you're, you're just sitting out there in the tank and some kid walks up to the tank and just is pounding on the, t- on your tank with like a hammer or something all day long mm-hmm. does zero damage. Cause that's just SDC hits and SDC something that does <laughs> SDC hit damage cannot hurt something that is MDC. So then likewise, people come out with a bunch of like Uzis and shoot at your tank until they run out of one and a bullets. And those may scuff the paint, but it does zero damage because all that combined may be hundreds of SDC, but that can't affect something mm-hmm. that's MDC. <laughs> uh, and then like you decide to shoot at their car and like one very minor hit with your gun completely annihilates the car because it's just a couple of MDC points. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and it... it like I said, it's it's an interesting system and it's I mean, they had to do something. Otherwise, you know, if they mm-hmm. if, if they scaled the same point system from humans to, you know, giant robots, your giant robot would have millions of hit points or, you know, they'd, they'd, oh, yeah. they'd have to figure out something. Um, so generally what ideally the game wanted you to have. SDC adventures, so you would have, you know, like sort of real world weapons for going hunting because mm-hmm. that, that was the sort of the point they tried to make it's like if you sh- if you were hunting and you shot at an animal with an mdc weapon it, there would be literally nothing left so you, there are and they've, and also like if you were mm-hmm. doing yeah. law enforcement and you had to you know restrain someone you couldn't use mdc weapons so they tried to make it so there would be times when you really wanted to do the lower level stuff but i mean the game just came down to people just piloting giant robots all the time anyway <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what people want to do. Yeah. I mean, if you give people giant robots, they're going to go and pilot their giant robots. Absolutely. But um, it's just matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was cool, though, that the that the Robotech game used the exact same system as Rifts. And again, the fact that Rifts is sort of a combo of all of these different worlds and uh, genres, mm-hmm. you could port your Robotech game directly into Rifts with zero difficulty. Oh, which is really That's nice. Cool. Now, another problem that Palladium had since the beginning was power creep. Every new book had more powerful things than the book before it. Uh, so it mm. quickly became the point where you could play your Robotech in Rift, but your stuff was not really as good as everything else that was there. But I mean, if you mm-hmm. if you were if you wanted to do it and you had a good GM, like you could make it work. So. With the system, as not being super familiar with Rifts, having not played it, how did the Robotech game deal with, like, instead of leveling up your your Valkyrie or what have you, Mm -hmm. did you, could you, like, buy upgrades? Like, were there skill trees? Were there different classes? How is all that handled? Yeah, so the the Megaversal system has... It has skills just like every other game. Uh, mm-hmm. It has a lot of them, a lot. So just so I, I flipped through real quickly and just in the Robotech game, uh, there mm-hmm. are more than 200 skills. Wow. And in Rifts, they're like double. <laughs> wow. So you have a you have a lot to read through and a lot to. I mean, and these vary from 
you know, like weapon proficiencies or skills, mm-hmm. um, hand to hand, different hand to hand combat um, techniques or skills, but then everything to like whittling and singing and espionage, everything. There's a skill for everything. <laughs> and th- that's sort of the point. So when you when you pick a what we would think of generally as a class, uh, they call it an OCC, mm-hmm. an occupational character class. And that gives you sort of the uh, the skills that come with that class. And then a list of, quote unquote, other skills that you can take and you can sort of like mm-hmm. pick a handful of those. Uh, when you pick a skill, you get a percentile of your skill in that skill <laughs> and that uh, it goes up with your level in a dizzying array of different uh, proportions, depending <laughs> on your OCC, you, potentially your RCC, mm-hmm. your uh, what what class you have and all of and then your attributes also affect those and everything else. And so, yeah, well, well, combat is a, a D20 system. You're trying to roll high for skills. It's a percentile. So the more skilled you are, the higher the percentile is. So you want to roll under your skill uh, to succeed. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so the way it works with when you're so basically coming around to what you actually asked <laughs> was when you're piloting anything, whether it's mecha or, you know, a giant robot or an airplane um, that it directly ties into your hand to hand combat skills. So you're hmm. so like say and it's essentially it all comes down to your number of yeah. attacks per turn. Uh, okay. So when you start out, depending on what your hand-to-hand combat skill is basic um expert and martial arts i think we're the only three at the beginning of robotech they added some other ones later like assassin Mm -hmm. and special ops Um, but that would tell you like how many attacks per turn you had uh because it's alternating attacks and then um as you went up in level you would get more attacks per turn so that was like the big thing so a a higher level character Mm -hmm. would have a whole bunch of attacks per turn um, where versus somebody who's low level who would only have a couple. And when you're going back and forth, as soon as one person runs out, the other person just gets to do all of their attacks and then potentially wipe out whatever it is they're fighting. And yeah, so because um, again, for, for anyone for anyone who's not knowledgeable on Robotech, um, I highly recommend it. Uh, and yeah, it's a should we should we talk about what Robotech is for anyone who doesn't know? Yeah. Uh, it, besides being a uh, incredibly back and forth legal battle between the rights to Robotech. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I feel like is what it's become more popular as nowadays. But luckily, it's been settled. Um, yeah, it's a space science fiction, like legendary anime series that has gone on to spawn countless follow ups. And Robotech is the English version of kind of retelling of Macross mm-hmm. and more series. It's yeah. I feel like you have a better idea. Explain it. You watch sure. it on TV. Explain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, it all, it all goes back to this dude named Carl Masek in the eighties, in the early eighties, who had, he was one of the, a few people who had the idea that anime, Japanese anime could really succeed in the United States. And there were a lot of people at the time who said, no way that's not going to happen. I mean, he was adamant. Uh, so he he had done a couple of other projects bringing things over. And there were a couple of early things on TV here in the United States, like Speed Racer, um, uh, Astro Boy. There were a, co- a couple of like really mm-hmm. early things. But then he really wanted to do this project 
Well, he wanted to bring, yeah, Macross, the original Super Dimension Fortress Macross series to the United States. But it didn't have enough episodes for syndication. There were all these rules at the time about if you wanted to have a cartoon, it had to have a certain number of episodes so it could run in syndication for money. It's all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so he had the idea, which is just absolutely bonkers, that he would take three unrelated anime series. And the only thing they have in common is that they have transforming giant robots. That's it. And then he would so he would license them from Japan, redub them put in a whole new storyline that would connect them in some way and then have a series long enough to put on American TV. And so he got Super Dimension Fortress Macross, Super Dimension Cavalry Southern Cross, which is, again, a totally different series, and then Mm -hmm. Genesis Climber Mospita. And he did that. And so combined, they had 85 episodes, good for TV, uh, and and went on from there. But like, I I try to liken how crazy this really was, this project. And it's like, Mm -hmm. like say you picked three totally unrelated vampire properties, like Buffy, the vampire slayer, uh, you know, like Mm -hmm. the twilight series. And, you know, I I don't know what's, what's another crazy vampire thing like in, in midnight mass twilight. Yeah. And then, and then you took those three totally unrelated things, except for the fact that there are some vampires in it and you dub them over to have a, pretty consistent story that each one of those is in a different generation mm-hmm. of the same world. Like it's, it's pretty remarkable what they were able to do. Um, it helped of course that, that these three anime series had just beautiful animation, classic early eighties anime style. Oh yeah. Um, I mean stuff that was some of the stuff that happened in these series are so famous, even outside of this stuff, like the, um, um, oh. Itano Circus. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. The, yeah. the, the Macross Missile Massacre. Right. Yep. I mean, all of that, that, that comes from this. <laughs> this is where all that stuff came mm-hmm. from. Uh, yeah. So all of that being said, uh, essentially the three, even the three different series that went into Robotech are about humans piloting giant transformable mecha against aliens. That's basically what it is. Um, and then to circle back to what we were just talking about, uh, mm-hmm. part of the idea of Okay, well, if I'm just a human, how am I piloting this giant spacecraft that somehow is a jet one minute and then a robot the next minute and is super fast and agile and all this other stuff? And so part of Robotech is a um, like an exotic alien energy source that is uh, it's essentially self-renewable. It can power these things, but it Mm -hmm. also um, it also has mind altering and mind affecting uh, aspects Properties. to it. Yeah. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so part of the thing is that when you are sitting in this giant robot, um, you have a headset that connects you to the mecha on like a higher level of consciousness, sort of like in uh, Pacific Rim without having to have a second person. Tur- yeah. Kind of turns everyone into a new type in essence from like Gundam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Exactly. New, ty- new type lights. Yeah. Um, and so that ties into what I was talking about. So when you are piloting these things, your your number of attacks and your abilities in the giant robot uh, does connect to your actual hand to hand knowledge and abilities because it is sort of reading your brain and you're syncing with the machine, mm-hmm. as it were. So, yeah. so was that all? I guess one of my questions were there. Could you play like a mechanic or an engineer? for Valkyries on there or like were there any benefits 
to during a combat or something mm-hmm. that you would want to be stay stick in as just your your SDC kind of version, right. like a Valkyrie cleric, as it were, like that healing mechanic mm-hmm. repair class. Was there anything like that? Yeah, I mean, even in, of course, you know, later expansions would add a bunch of other crap. But um, but the the original, the very first game, uh, which you could play just by itself, it's, it's fairly bare bones, but um, it did offer character classes that were, yeah, clearly the, the Veritech pilot was the most popular uh, mm-hmm. You could pilot the Destroids, which are basically just walking tanks that don't transform. But there was a, you know, a, a Robotech engineer um, was like a special ops guy. There's like a field researcher. Uh, so you could play mm-hmm. these other things. It gets into the question and in, in the game does say, you know, you could you could play a game where everybody in your party is the same class or very similar, or you could play a game where everybody's a totally different class and it's up to you to make it work, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the classic RPG line, anything is possible as long as you and your friends are going to make it work. <laughs> um, but yeah, it typically... If you tried to do that, it, it would be really difficult. Some people would have much more fun at the table than others, or it would just be like, okay, now mm-hmm. we're dealing with you guys. Now we're switching over to you people. Um, I think most games, <laughs> and certainly all of mine did, uh, just devolve to okay, we're all fl- we're all flying Veritex, or we're or or we're taking a break from that and running Destroids for this mission, or mm-hmm. you know, or our Veritech pilots. You know, we'll have to get out of our craft at some point and do fun stuff. But like I said, all of my games ended up being everybody's pretty yeah. much playing the same things. Yeah, I mean, it's like a typical like old school, even I guess current mecha anime or mm. Power Rangers like show. You'll have like your various things. But at the end of the day, you will always wind up in your giant robot to blow up shit. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And, step. and again, that's not to say that there that there weren't some really interesting stories you could tell mm-hmm. with those sort of squishier characters um but yeah just it i mean you can just imagine like how <laughs> going into battle and you've got one guy yeah. in a 50 foot tall you know thing and then you, the next guy is just he's just a human in a light suit of armor with some tools like it's going to be wildly unbalanced gameplay <laughs> but i mean you, you could you could do it <laughs> eh, you never know you never know um, so this ran, uh, in the first RP or the first Robotech source book, there were eight different books that added, um, and told different, basically arcs from the show books one through five covered the first three segments of Robotech that aired, mm-hmm. um, seven and eight, uh, included adventure books taking place during or shortly after, after Macross segment. And there were two Robotech two books that came out and that took place after uh macross um so did you play much of kind of this the follow-up series with macross 2 the role-playing game oh yeah yeah um i so i I had like i said i i collected all of the books Mm -hmm. um and so one one thing so i again i've I've talked about how like this I wouldn't rank the, the Megaversal system as one of the, <laughs> the best systems I've ever played. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, like, sort of like I said before about the insane number of skills, you end up just with a lot of skills that you just never use. And and that's fine. You, I mean, I again, if you're a Veritech pilot, how often are you going to need to use your sewing skill? Who knows? It, it might turn up in a game, but it, probably not that often. 
Um, but what I will say is not only did the game provide, you know, what could definitely be a fun experience if you had the right group of people, but mm-hmm. we Robotech fans, uh, we've suffered over the years. <laughs> the series came out in, in eight, the series came out in 85. It was 85 episodes, uh, 85 and 86. And there hasn't been a whole lot since. The company that that owns it, Harmony Gold, uh, man, there's there's a lot we could talk about there. Uh, legal issues are are just yeah. a piece of it. Um, part of the, even going back to the the very beginning, the 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 deal they made to license these anime series from Japan got really complicated very quickly because in Japan mm-hmm. there were multiple companies that had made these series, and so then the, the contracts were with. Some of those entities, but not all of them. And then there were endless lawsuits that started back in the 80s that, as you said, only just a few yeah. months ago were wrapped up, uh, you know, yeah. 40 years later. So um, it, there was a, a very long period of time when literally the only new Robotech content that was coming out were comic books that were the quality was some of them were good. Mm-hmm. Some of them were not good at all. Uh, there was a novel yeah. series that was fantastic. Um, and then it was really this role. Play. I have one of those. Yeah. Oh, they honestly, one of those they books. are really good. The, yeah, the Robotech novels, uh, they were mm-hmm. written by, uh, two guys under a pseudonym and, or, a, uh, whatever you call it. And, um, they're honestly, they, they are really good. Uh, but it was in a lot of ways, it was this role playing game that kept alive the the love of Robotech and new ideas for Robotech. So, yeah. And as as you were saying, the first the first set of books were sort of mirroring what we saw in the show. Um, and then the next couple were <laughs> were fulfilling the idea of what Robotech two sort of the, the Sentinels could have been that never never materialized Mm -hmm. so there was the idea that they were going to make a sequel series in animation called the sentinels uh that was going to have humans go off and interact with new aliens and have other adventures and they tried to make it a series it failed there's like a there's a a a video that you can get that's the sort of like the pilot episode um it had Mm -hmm. so much potential uh and they they couldn't make a series out of it but Again, the novels of it are amazing and the role playing game books for it are fantastic. So that gave us so much more. And then Palladium. And again, I don't know how the deals went, but Palladium was just then they just kept going. And so you've got role playing game books that take place in other eras of the show uh, with Mm -hmm. new characters, new mecha that we never saw, new parts of the world. So like the game, the role playing game expanded Mm -hmm. the universe in ways that they were they were never able to do on the show and again like it's it was we have had one new piece of animation since the 80s uh the shadow chronicles movie which we'll mm-hmm. get to in a minute but um yeah i mean it, yeah cuz that also got its own uh yeah book series or tabletop series yeah but yeah but for for so long it was it was just it was just the role playing game and and palladium too i mean they they really tried to keep the love of Robotech alive for a while. Um, Palladium, which again was a role playing game company, they were actually producing the uh, the VHS tapes of Robotech for a while mm-hmm. uh, themselves, which was which was pretty cool. And then um, and the, yeah, so then so they did so your Robotech proper. Uh, they did the Sentinels, so there were a couple of books specifically for that. Um, 
which were sort of a few of the legacy characters going off and then a bunch of other new things happening. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then they also licensed Macross two, which was a separate animation. So Macross is very complicated. <laughs> uh, for those of yeah. you who are more familiar with that from Japan, um, it all started with like what we said, the original super dimension fortress Macross, which became the first part of Robotech redubbed with a slightly different story. Uh, mm-hmm. but Macross is a, uh, a property that has been going on. Well, since then to this day, there are new Macross yeah, yeah. series and movies. Um, and they're all sort of everything that comes out in Macross is like loosely tied together. There are different series that are more or less in Canon with each other. Um, so Macross mm-hmm. two was one of those that is less in Canon with the rest of it. But, um, <laughs> so it's, it's essentially after Robotech, <laughs> there were only a couple of Macross related things that were ever allowed to be released in the United States. And Macross two was, mm-hmm. was one of them. Um, so because that was something that was available, that was sort of tied to what Robotech is at its core. Uh, yeah, Palladium licensed it, did a, a series of Macross 2 books, which are fantastic. Uh, not least of which is because they hooked up with another role-playing game company, DreamPod9, um, who did... Mm-hmm. Uh, what have they done? They did... They did. Well, they've done Mecha and Spaceship stuff over the years. Uh, I forget what they're famous for. Anyway. Uh, but they did a, bo- a set of three books of giant spaceship deck plans and oh my god do i love deck plans i am such a fan of like nerdy (laughs) technical details about spaceships oh yeah just inject that directly into my veins uh so it was so like you could play you could you could run games where you were operating spaceships or playing inside the spaceships and oh that was just fantastic i i was i really appreciated that addition and that too, that's very cool. And that continued a, a series too, because like the the Robotech RPG also had some deck plans. They were pretty rudimentary. The the artwork at that time, mm-hmm. we're, you know, we're talking mid eighties, was not great on the artwork for that. Um, but they they did have that in there. There were actually two of the books had adventures that took place in Robotech factory satellites, which are essentially nearly moon oh, cool. size structures of that are completely mm-hmm. automated cranking out, you know, all sorts of machines and you could go in there and figure out what's, what's going on, what broke. And yeah, there, there were some, there were some really cool adventures for the game as well. That's so cool. And it's, it's interesting to think back that even back in the eighties, IPs like Robotech were getting tabletop mm-hmm. uh, renditions of it. And I feel like with the popularity of things like Critical Role, Dimension 20, just the resurgence of tabletop in general nowadays, I think the idea that popular franchises or IPs getting tabletop variations of it or crossing over to make that bound, that it's a new thing when it really isn't. I mean, yeah, the Avatar Kickstarter, The Last Airbender, that did amazingly we're getting a power rangers one later this year or later next year Mm -hmm. and it's like every big ip nowadays that people are grabbing onto you can bet in some fashion eventually they will have a (laughs) yeah a tabletop version of it 
Yeah, no, for sure. And, and uh, as I was saying early, earlier, um, I think it, it really speaks to, <clears throat> yeah, the, the sort of the evolving trends, but also, also, again, there, there's a lot you can say about Palladium, about how the company has mishandled things over the years. And we'll talk more about that soon. But um, but they, oh, they, yes. they really I mean, the Robotech RPG was really a love letter and they to mm-hmm. th- the franchise and they really I mean, I, I'm, I literally have uh, the stack of books next to me and, and it's a lot um, and they're they're fantastic. But like I said at, at the outset, I mean, as far as like my RPG collection, I've got a bunch of crappy one off licensed RPGs <laughs> that mm-hmm. I mean, they are technically playable. But would I really want to sit down and play them? No. Uh, and there have been, of course, there have been so many systems over the years that you could just clone into other games and then just, you know, slap mm-hmm. some some screenshots on there and, and run with it. Uh, I, I won't name names as <laughs> which ones I own, but uh, but there are quite a few. Um, but yeah, it, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, whenever, like you said, whenever there's a big nerdy property, um, it's it's not unnatural to think, oh, you know, when, when is the RPG going to come out? Who's going to be doing it? Which mm-hmm. company is going to be, you know, working on this? Yeah, I mean, they have the new uh, Dune one, mm-hmm. thanks to the big movie, Adventures yep. in the Imperium. Um, but mentioning your collection, I'm curious, what franchise was done the most dirty? Like, ooh, <laughs> don't have to say who, who what oh, company man. made the system or anything, but yeah. what, sis- or what property was done the worst? Oh, that's such a good question. I you know what I honestly I I'd have to think about it. That's okay. I mean, again, there, there are just some games that like it's a cool idea, but it just in in practice because mm-hmm. uh, again, things like things like the the Buffy game, the Angel game, the Army of Darkness game. Like it's a cool idea, but when you actually sit down to play, mm-hmm. it, it has they all have the same problem. Only one person can play the chosen one. And then everybody else are yeah. just their sidekicks. And and again, if you have the right group of people and you're good at mm-hmm. improvising and acting and sort of uh, sharing the spotlight, as it were, you can make it work. But it's it's mm-hmm. not going to be as fun for everybody as it is for that. The, the champion or, you know, what, the, whatever you call the it. The one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, there are some really good ones out there, though. Uh, there was a, a Farscape role playing game that's like it's beautifully written and just there's mm-hmm. so much cool stuff to it the um the babylon 5 game is really cool um shout out to the new babylon 5 coming they're doing yeah, a yeah, yeah. Uh, doing that reboot i i'm very interested very excited i <laughs> I, I who knows what it's gonna be but uh yeah <laughs> yeah um uh oh stargate as stargate had a really cool mm-hmm. rpg for a while so yeah, there are a lot of great ones out there. If you if you're listening, you have a favorite property, especially like an older property. Go take a look. There might be an RPG for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You never know. Is there any in your collection that you just got for collector's sake because it's so novel, like a Barbie t- tabletop RPG or something? That's like just so like they did what now? Well, I have to have it. So there there was a series of games that have come out over the years that are a little bit on the risque side. Uh, Mm -hmm. They vary, of course, but um, it's always interesting to pick up those things. So there's um, 
I wish I had them in front of me because I don't remember all their names. But like when when D and D was in its uh, you know three point five phase, there were a mm-hmm. couple of a couple of books that other publishers put out for that that um, that added some some interesting details. I, what is it that the book of erotic book of erotica or book of erotica yeah. something? Yeah, so I've got that, and then there are games like. Um, Oh, I wish I remember the names. It's like boobs. Book of erotic fantasy. Yeah, so I have that. Was and then, the the D yeah. the D and one. And then there were then there were just other like just one off games like um I think one was called boobs bullets and bikes or something like that. Uh, one of them uses the the tits system. So T I T S are your four attributes. Uh, so they, very humorous, very tongue in cheek. Uh, not games i would ever actually play with anyone uh just just fun mm-hmm. things to read on the shelf there's a company though that has done supplements for for rpg for um for D over the years uh and they always they do like a, a free rpg day or they have i don't know if they still do it uh, but they would give them really bizarre titles just as sort of like are are you going to pick up this book and again not necessarily Mm -hmm. having to do with the content so i and i I don't remember the name of the company oh i wish i had in front of me but um they came one of them that i have in my collection is called uh it it, again it's a it's a supplement for your DD games and the book is called vaginas are magic And again, I don't think there's I don't think there's anything actually in the book about vaginas, but it's just like that's what they decided to put on the cover. And it's super cool. So, yeah, I, I like I like some I of like guess the, it would sell. Yeah, I like some of the the more esoteric weird stuff. Um, but interesting that you mentioned Dune, probably the I guess it would have to be the the jewel of my collection is the uh, the Dune RPG book that was put out by. Uh, what is it? Last Unicorn Games that has like this crazy story to it. Not many people know about this, but mm-hmm. um, so yeah, there was this small RPG company called last unicorn games that was doing uh, licensed property games in the, was this the early nineties era? I, I could be off of my timeline, but um, they had worked with, uh, with the Herbert estate to make a, a Dune RPG uh, that was going to be, mm-hmm. you know, they were going to do source books and it was going to be a whole, a whole, thing and the company they printed their their initial print run was like a couple of thousand and they were planning on bringing it to gen con that year as their big launch and then they were going to actually do a run for sales and right before that happened the company was bought by wizards of the coast this is when wizards was getting really big they were buying up a bunch of smaller companies and they bought up the company and immediately it came down from the from the top that we are not going to be doing any licensed games and it immediately killed the game. And the only ones that exist are the ones that they brought to Gen Con that year. I wasn't actually at Gen Con, but I bought one on eBay like immediately after. And that game is, is like famous for being super rare because there weren't that many copies. Oh yeah. uh, It's yeah. So I I have one of those and it's, it's, it's cool to look at. I've never actually played it like most of the games on my shelves, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but it's just cool to have. Uh, that that sounds really cool. And I did look up vaginas are magic. Yeah, is a book of blasphemous, dangerous magic feature, dangerous magic featuring spells that only women characters can cast. <laughs> it includes a new magic magic system, 
and all other tradition uh, for use with lamentation uh, lamentations of the flame princess and all other traditional class and level tabletop playing games. So it's m- magic wielded by ladies. Yeah. But it's like it, it, it very little of it is actually sexual oh, or yeah. genital related. It's just yeah, it's, it was just a cool name. <laughs> it was just a cool way to say this is magic spell mm. only casted by. Yeah. Uh, ladies. Yeah. So very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So. Uh, so as so you. I'm, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, no, I, okay. first. All right. So I was going to say, so as you mentioned before, so the Palladium had the Robotech license they made a bunch of these books. I, I, I have, you know what? I have no idea how sales work in, in RPGs. I don't know if these, I assume these sold decently well. Cause I was yeah. just looking at my, my original, our Robotech, the role-playing game. And mm-hmm. mine is the sixth printing that came out. So this book came out in 1989. And as you said, mm-hmm. it was first printed in 86. So I assume it did well if they were reprinting it that often, right off the yeah. bat. Um, but yeah, so eventually they did allow the license to expire in 2001. Um, and it came roaring back in 2007. So in 2007 was Shadow Chronicles. So mm-hmm. again, you got to think and think of put yourself in my shoes. The, the, the Robotech, the hardcore <laughs> Robotech fan since 85. Yeah. No new animation until 2007. And then we finally get this movie, Shadow Chronicles. Uh, not terrible. Uh, so it's sort mm-hmm. of, it, it was essentially designed to bridge the original series with what they could go on to do uh, with all of that old Sentinels content that they had created but mm-hmm. never really produced. Um, sort of linking up those characters and adding a bunch of new ones. So Harmony Gold, the company that that is is robotech essentially um man they're uh they're an interesting company so they they try to cut a lot of corners and so the animation partners they worked with some of the animation in shadow chronicles is really cool some of it is just not great uh but shadow chronicles like it was successful enough it had popularity mm-hmm. um especially among the hardcore fans i don't know how many new fans it brought in but at least it reinvigorated uh, all of us who are already into Robotech. Um, and then, mm-hmm. of course, Palladium perked up and they're like, hey, this, there's actually some new stuff. We could we can make new things with this. So they reacquired the license and we got new stuff. And this was the time. <laughs> so if you're watching, <laughs> well, you at least can see. Uh, mm-hmm. So they decided, hey, let's let's make our books smaller. And they made this. So they made their first Ooh. books in what they called manga size. And it was an interesting experiment. <laughs> and they did three <laughs> of these books in this size. I, and look, the idea is the idea is kind of cool. And like I said before, I would mm-hmm. I would lug these big role playing game books around. They're very heavy. They take up a lot of space. We all know what role playing game books are like. They're ex- they're exceedingly expensive in most cases. Yeah. I mean, geez. Books nowadays are 50, 60 more dollars for, you know, just for a core oh, book. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so this was a cool idea. I'm looking now. This book was seventeen dollars. Uh, it's oh, wow. It's three hundred and thirty pages. You know, there's a lot of content in here, even some good artwork. 
the fans were pissed. <laughs> the fans revolted. We're never buying another book again. Uh, this is the end of the world. Uh, so very quickly thereafter, uh, Palladium went back to the full size books, reprinted these little ones in full size, added a little mm-hmm. bit of new content to make it worthwhile. Um, yeah, but it was a, it was definitely a funny a funny time in the, in, <laughs> in the collecting. And yeah, so now I have like I have a shelf with all of the big books and then off to the side, there's a couple of these little ones that don't fit in with the larger ones. Because <laughs> that's the other thing, like you yeah. want all your books to, to yeah. look nice together. Yeah. Yeah. It's a point of pride having a like I have a in my back. I have my guides. I have my rule mm-hmm. books and stuff like I have my 40K books and my my army books, and my Pathfinder books and my various my three five books, my yep. couple of four point oh books, five oh books. Yeah. I have all those, and it's like, just give me more. I must have more. Yeah, and it's a pain when, um, when they do things that aren't the same size. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Wizards of the Coast, and Star Wars. Uh, what was the name of that version? <laughs> it was really good. I love the game, but they made their books that they were mm-hmm. they were more squarish than standard size, and it's like uh, they don't look good next to the other books. <laughs> but what do you? Oh, no, I know. Uh, and then, yeah, so, I, I know that pain. Yeah. So but again, and just as with old older Robotech, um, this new version that came out in 2007, it springboarded off of the new animation. And then in subsequent books, they Palladium was allowed to just make up a bunch of new stuff and new mecha and new character classes and all sorts of cool ways to expand the universe, which was, was mm-hmm. pretty neat. Yeah, it's going to be interesting now with things settled with Harmony Gold. And I think Funimation can also publish things. Is that yeah. that was the, the deal? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So now Funimation um, has all of the um, like the broadcast rights, essentially. So any mm-hmm. new Funimation will have the, the first opportunity, at least to have any Macross or Robotech related things on their streaming services they'll put out Mm -hmm. any dvds and uh blu-rays going forward so there's a new robotech blu-ray that just came out actually the um the collector set then there's going to be smaller versions um yeah it's it's a wild time to be a fan of robotech and or macross in the entire world because all of this stuff yeah it's because it's been very very briefly because of the the legal shenanigans since the 80s uh, no new Macross has been allowed to be released in the United States. But by the same token, no yeah. Robotech has been allowed in Japan. And you might think, oh, well, you know, they have Macross. They have the original series. What do they care about Robotech? Mm-hmm. But there is a there is a an international appeal for it. Um, lots of people saw it in the 80s. Um, all of the other things that came out with it collectibles toys other things um technically there (laughs) there is a live action robotech (laughs) movie in the works uh yeah it was i mean they talked about this i think it was like 2008 thing i think 2008 Mm -hmm. was when they first started the the deal for this um I mean, man, since then, so many names and production companies have been attached to this thing. Uh, will it ever happen? It'll probably happen at some point. Um, yeah. But it, it's been a long time. And that's actually one of the reasons why there hasn't been new 
anything else from Robotech since 2007. Um, as, mm-hmm. as, as some of your listeners might know, um, or, or may not know when a, when a studio comes in and picks up the, the rights to make a movie out of your property, if you are a smaller company, you are immediately frozen in what you're able to do with that property, lest it affect how people view it when the movie eventually comes out. So mm-hmm. basically Sony came in and got the movie rights and then subsequently anything that Harmony Gold wants to put out, Sony has to okay it. Uh, and that's and for a company that makes animation that isn't always super top notch and might cut corners mm-hmm. and might affect characters, um, it's going to be very hard to get those kind of things approved and to go through that process. Um you know, of course, when you're talking about things like Transformers, um, yes, obviously there's been mm-hmm. movies coming out alongside totally unrelated TV shows, but you're dealing with, um, you know, in that case, like Hasbro is the owner and the studio at the same time, essentially. And it's a, it's a different yeah. kind of a deal. Um, yeah. So anyway, it's very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> It is. It, it is a giant rabbit hole. And honestly, there are so many YouTube channels and whatnot out there that have gone and dissected this. Yeah, um, that it, it's a really interesting story. I highly recommend you checking it out. But I'm curious with kind of things settling a bit and maybe maybe not new movie coming out and just Macross starting to being able to come out over here again. Mm. What would you like to see in a new macross or robotech tabletop game like sure uh, like mechanic wise yeah no that's a great question and there are actually somehow for some reason uh there are two robotech rpgs that are out right now so there is robotech for savage worlds uh which i hear people enjoy um i've never tried savage worlds i know a lot of people love it obviously it's a system where you can drop in Mm -hmm. anything um, with its own source book. <clears throat> so in August of 2019, there was a Macross, a Robotech Ma- Macross edition game for Savage Worlds that came mm-hmm. out. So you can you can play that if you want. Uh, and then Strange Machine Games, who I never heard of previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also started making a Robotech RPG in the very same year, no less. <laughs> somehow these things these things happen uh so the so the core book for that one came out late in 2019 um i have Mm -hmm. the book it is beautiful uh i have not had a chance to actually sit down and play it um i hope to one day they actually um i don't know so as as at the time of this recording uh there's a kickstarter Mm -hmm. for the follow-up book in that series so from strange machine games um sort of expanding the Robotech RPG into the second and third eras within the, within Arcs. the series. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is super cool. I'm on board with that Kickstarter. It's, it, it's already funded. It's basically just a pre-order. Um, so that's great. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, I, I haven't played it yet, so I, I can't speak to the mechanics, but you know, what do I wish for? <laughs> I mean, I just I just want to play giant transforming robots at the end of the day. I want it to be mm-hmm. I want it to be a, a, a slim, fun system. You know, I. But then again, so this is where I, I think a lot of people like me 
get hung up on these kind of games because on the one hand, Mm -hmm. you know, you watch these shows and it's all about fast action, 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 right? So you want something that's, yeah, you want to, you want a a pared down system where you're, you're, you know, it's all opposing dice rolls and everybody's acting at the same time and it's Mm -hmm. fast, you know, and and there are systems that have those kind of mechanics. But then again, you kind of also want the nitty gritty. There's a part yeah. of me that I want to keep track of how many missiles I've used and how many I have left. I want the mm-hmm. I want the random hit tables and well, what if you know the the missile hits the arm and blows the arm off of this and how does that like? Yeah, I, I kind of do love that stuff too. And again, there are systems that that have have those kind of mechanics. Yeah, and I don't know. And maybe, maybe like I said, I haven't played the new games, but maybe. Maybe that exists. Maybe the Savage Worlds, mm-hmm. you know, is more slimmed down and, and the other one is more uh, more chunky with the rules. I don't know. I guess I want I want <laughs> I want different systems at the same time. <laughs> I want different ways of playing depending uh, on how, how fast yeah. I want the action to be. Have like an advanced and more like a base mechanic system and then an advanced mechanic system where you could yeah. like blow off certain arms yeah 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 um, and yeah and uh, different sensor you know sensor bands and all that kind of stuff that you know it's it, mm-hmm. sometimes it's cool to do that stuff too and get you know get more into the the yeah. technical aspects of of all of these things and again with with, For sure. with palladium and with some of the other you know, informational things that have come out over the years. There's a lot of technical details that are available for all of the Robotech stuff. You know, the, the mm-hmm. statistics for size and weight and the the caliber of the guns and all this kind of crap. Like all of that stuff is out there. Um, you know, whether they're reinventing it for the new games or using the the previously established details. There, there's a there's a lot of information yeah. out there for Robotech. Yeah, there is. And kind of playing off of you just want to play with like your robots and everything. Are you familiar? And since you are a big like tabletop tactics player and mm-hmm. fan, like with 40K and whatnot, have you heard of Mechatop? I've heard the name, but I don't know what it is. So basically, Mechatop, I'm showing it. It allows you, it gives you little stat cards and rules on how to in essence play like a warhammer style tabletop tactical minis game with your mecha figures like your actual like action figures and stuff okay and it has rule sets to how you deal with like beam sabers and doing action economy and all sorts of like that but it lets you use your actual like gun plot your your valkyrie kits everything like that so what is the url just, where, where nice, i can buy this <laughs> i'm gonna um, buy it right now let me <laughs> Yes. Are, are we spo- uh, are we sponsored I, by this? Can we or you you can send it to me later? <laughs> we are we are not sponsored. I did okay. I did back it. Okay. Uh, I'll, but yeah, I'll, I will buy uh, this today. Yeah, because yes. I as as um, you're saying, I am I am a big fan of miniatures and model kits, and I have a mm-hmm. I have a very large collection of Robotech and Macross toys of all scales. Uh, yep. date, some dating back to the '80s, some new stuff. Uh, so this sounds like mm-hmm. something I I need to have. We should. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm we have to figure out because I would totally be down to try like and like the Robotech tabletops with you. Yeah, for 100%, sure. percent or or anything. But yeah, like the rule book is just a nice like 68 pages. Nice pictures tells you how to make your own cards. And it comes with that's awesome. A nice stack of uh, blank cards and. There's a Discord where people have made all sorts of Gundam stats and I, 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 w- I would stats. imagine, sure. Yeah, there's there's some really neat 
projects out there that are like this, where they are, mm-hmm. um, there are several that are for miniatures that are, it's like, here are some rules, get whatever miniatures you want, figure out, you know, mm-hmm. as long as you and your opponent can, you know, come to agreement on, okay, this, this yep. miniature, this random miniature that I got from, you know, this, this old Ral Partha miniature is going to be this kind of mm-hmm. demon with this kind of weapons. And this mm-hmm. Warhammer miniature is going to have this. And as long as, you know, everybody knows what everybody has. You just play your games with whatever you have. Mm-hmm. It's super cool. I love that idea. Yeah. So um, speaking of miniatures, we should we should uh, get to the the yeah. end of the Robotech at Palladium saga, I suppose. Uh, at, 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 at time of recording. Yes. Right. <laughs> uh, so again, so Palladium published the original Robotech RPG. Uh, they let the license go in 21 or tw- 2001. They got it back in 2007, made a bunch of books and then they had the idea in 2013 to make a miniatures game, a tabletop war game for Robotech. Great idea. Uh, technically, there had been a couple of Robotech miniatures before that. Um, we won't get into the larger issues, but there have been <laughs> there have been Robotech Macross designs in Battletech, it's a whole other pile of worms, can of worms, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Uh, so technically, like there were miniatures out there of things in Macross and Robotech that you could have, but there wasn't technically a full miniatures game. So Palladium says, you know what? We just make books, but we're going to make a miniatures game. <laughs> and mm-hmm. they made a Kickstarter. Uh, the Kickstarter went live in uh, early, mid-2013. Uh, they were looking for $70,000. They end up making almost a million and a half. This is one of those things where a company got in way over its head. Um, I, I will be a little charitable <laughs> to them. They had no idea what they were doing. Uh, they had some partners. They they had hooked up with, um, oh, what's the uh, Ninja Division? who actually I don't know if Ninja Division is around anymore. I think they might have split up after all of this as well. But Ninja Vision were a company that they would sculpt. They did mainly sculpting and rules designing for other companies and other properties. Um, Mm -hmm. So Ninja Division sculpted all of these minis. They gave the basic files over to Palladium. Palladium tried to work with companies in China. Um, Literally every step of the way was a disaster. That's as that's as as charitable as I can put it. Um, They were they were I I don't know if you could call it transparent, but they announced some things about how like the files they got from Ninja Division weren't compatible with the factory's system. So they had to reduce like it was it was just endless stuff like that. Like, I I don't who do you blame at that point? I don't know. Yeah, you right. But the Harmony Gold just mishandled everything. and they promised a lot. The Kickstarter had just like hundreds of miniatures that they would that they were planning on eventually making. Um, of course, they wanted to springboard that into more things even later on. Uh, miniatures did come out. <laughs> uh, they were supposed to come mm-hmm. out at the end of 2013. They sort of started to leak out at the end of 2014. A lot of people didn't get them until 2015. but. Things did come out. Uh, what they decided to do was 
come out with a bunch of stuff in wave one, uh, essentially like all of the core basic units from the first era of Robotech. Um, essentially, they, they prioritize the production of those so that they can start selling them as well and actually get make some money back, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, people do. That's that's not unheard of. And then have this wave two come out maybe like the next year. Uh, wave two never came out. So a lot of the things that we put that we paid for just never materialized. Mm-hmm. So in the end, they offered like you could sort of cash in your wave two, uh, the money you would put in toward that, and just to get more wave one product. Um, and it, it was just it was a, a a giant debacle and a disaster, and yeah. tons of people were pissed. Tons of people would never buy anything Robotech again, never get anything from Palladium. Um, there was some unfortunate stuff that happened with some of the creators at Palladium when they tried to do other projects and all these angry people went and dogpiled on them. Um, I, I don't like to see stuff like that. I mean, you can get mad at a company for mishandling one thing, but I I, I don't like when you follow those people to the other projects and, and crap on those. Yeah. Um, but essentially what happened at the end of that was uh, we don't know exactly what went on behind the scenes, but in In 2018, Palladium says, "Okay, no wave two is coming. You can cash out your wave one stuff and get more of that product if you want. Otherwise, you're not getting your money back and Mm -hmm. we don't have the license anymore. So everything Robotech has done at Palladium and it's it ended. Uh, They don't have the license. Uh, They don't sell any of this stuff. They they made a big show of like all of the product they had. They had to get rid of or like destroy. They had to like melt down the molds. Like all like they made they made a big deal of like it's it's burned to the ground. It's over. Uh, Mm -hmm. Don't even mention Robotech to Palladium anymore because it it doesn't exist. (laughs) Uh, And and that was the end of that. And it's uh, it's it's unfortunate how it all ended. And look. The people have a lot of complaints about how that Kickstarter went down. And of course, there's definitely a lot to complain about. Yeah. Uh, the miniatures are, they're very small. Uh, they're technically 285th scale. Uh, so like a, a VF1 Veritech in, in, in battleoid mode is about the size of a space marine, a little bit bigger. Um, mm-hmm. The part count is insane. A miniature that small has like 30 parts and it they're very fiddly. Oh. Um, I, I've built some. Oh, on, that sounds awful. I built some on stream. Like if 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 you've built models before, they're not impossible. Um, they mm-hmm. do have some options for posing and customization. It, it's it's not terrible. Um, because of all the sort of the bad blood and everything that happened with it, I've I haven't actually played the game. Although I've heard that the game is actually pretty fun. There there is a community online that continues mm-hmm. to support the game with like fan made expansions and stuff. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously with 3d printing now you can make your own mecha stuff that never came out from uh from yeah. palladium and, and go on and make your own stuff so it, it that game sort of does still live on in its own online way um there is a, a separate company that now makes robotech miniatures uh and they do mm-hmm. have sort of a, a starter game for it but it's more a board game than like a full on war game. Uh, that's yeah. ki- kids logic. Uh, so that's out there. <laughs> their, their miniatures are f- unbelievable. They're resin. Uh, there's a slightly smaller scale than the Robotech RPG tactics was, which is annoying. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the, the models are 
beautiful. Like I said, they're resin. They're they're out of Hong Kong, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. They're fantastic. I, I highly recommend those if you're into Robotech or just any of the designs. Uh, I have br- briefly the one last thing I'll say with with mm-hmm. the tactics game. Um, I I have a little bit of uh, personal responsibility for how well the game did, which is a weird thing to say. So. It is, in addition to all the other hats I wear and all the other quote unquote jobs I have, um, I write for the site figures.com. So I do toy reviews and toy. What do you call toy journalism? So I go to conventions and I cover things and I write articles and I take pictures. And very early on in the process for this Robotech game, I was at a game convention that was only open to exhibitors and sellers and Mm -hmm. press so i was there as press and ninja division was there with the first prototypes of what was going to be the rpg tactics game and they were they were amazing and of course like as soon as i saw them i ran over there i took a bunch of pictures got them online super quickly and uh not only were the was that article and these pictures popular on figures.com but Harmony Gold actually used my pictures in some of their promotional stuff and their panels at conventions to drum up interest in this game, which ended up disappointing so many people. So like, (laughs) so yeah. So like later on that year, I was sitting at Comic-Con at the Robotech panel with, you know, hundreds of people and Mm -hmm. they, they're talking about the game and they show these and a slide pops up and it's like, Oh, that's my picture that I took. And in the corner it says, you know, figures.com It's like, Oh, that's my picture, which was cool at the time. And then later I was like, oh, oh yeah. man, I got people, you know, because of my pictures and my coverage, more people got involved in this project that ultimately made so many people upset. I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> it's cool. And yet it's also heartbreaking. <laughs> would so. have been a lot more cool if it had been like super successful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then, then, I, then I would be happy to take credit for it. But as it yeah, was, of course. Like, yeah. So it's. But again, like we robot, we Robotech fans, we are if you're still a Robotech fan after all these years, you, you've got to be hardy. You've got to expect things are going to fail yep. and disappear. It's it's just it's part of the it's part of the way it works. You're used to pain. Mm-hmm. You're used to pain. Um, but no, what a interesting look and like just what the history of Robotech tabletop has been since yeah. the, the mid mid 80s and with things how they are it will be interesting to see how they continue with the tabletop like the strange machine books that Mm -hmm. you mentioned with them going into the second generation um based off a southern cross it it will be really really interesting to see yeah Um, let's let's schedule let's do this again in a couple years (laughs) we'll have a lot of new stuff to talk about for robotech Yeah. yeah and in that those that few year period we'll have to somehow we'll have to like on roll 20 or something play mm. and try out the other robotech rpgs yeah yeah, yeah um, for sure and see how they fare yeah and, um, and again i'm like, gonna be the barista cross uh and <laughs> the the uh, the barista who's secretly a veritech pilot yes. that's gonna be my my claim uh, to fame and, and again it, it it is a very exciting time for anybody who's into mm-hmm. robotech and or macross here in the united states literally just um a few weeks ago, so maybe like a month and a half ago, depending on when you're listening, uh, at New York Comic Con 2021, the first new Macross collectibles were sold by Bandai in 
30 something years. They Bandai had them at their booth and were selling Macross thing. Now, again, like with importing and eBay, mm-hmm. like, yes, you could get these things over the years, but not like officially sold in the United States. So it's it's cool. Hopefully we'll see a lot yeah. of new new and old stuff come come in and and be much more easily available and not cost as much. And yeah, it's uh it, it's a wild time. <laughs> It is a wild time. And listener, you might be thinking to yourself, maybe you're an uh, a Robotech fan yourself that didn't know these existed, or maybe you're a tabletop fan that really likes Mecha and uh, are interested to check this out as well. We are here to help you to uh, point you in the right direction where you can get your own copies. First off, luckily, with even the original ones from back in 1986, the, the old paperback manual, you can still go on Amazon right now and buy used copies. Uh, looks like you can get them for between like 25 and 30 bucks uh, a used copy. So not bad. Um, and that extends to other ones like the Southern Cross book, the uh, book Four. Currently, you can go on Amazon and get one for 20 bucks or Sentinels, which is from Robotech 2, the role playing game. That's thirteen dollars and seventy five cents. Nice. So (laughs) if you want to pick those up, you can. Of course, we also mentioned some others Uh, looking at the strange, uh, strange machines version, the hardcore or the hardcover (laughs) <laughs> book uh you can currently also buy on amazon that's looking f- like around 40 to 50 dollars and or excuse me 60 dollars it's 59.95 um or you can buy just a pdf version of it for 20 bucks online so lots of variation in options and like scott said there is also the kickstarter going on for the southern cross-based storyline and whatnot by the strange Mm -hmm. machines game so check that out it's past it or it's made its goal so it will hopefully happen um but yeah it's actually pretty easy still to uh get yourself a copy and try it out yourself fly around in your own veritech fighters in valkyries and let us know how it is yeah and and two i'll I'll add to that that there are uh there's a surprisingly large number of of Robotech fans still out there. Uh, we're, we're still going. We're still going strong. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, there are some really good Facebook groups. A lot of people, you know, keeping it alive, talking about all of these games, um, even in the face of, you know, a lot of these things failing over the years and all these troubles like there, there's still, you know, there's still positivity for this stuff. Um, you know, people playing the games, you know, buying buying the new stuff, talking about it. So that that's good to see. Yeah, and I'm sure there's discords and stuff, mm. too. And keep on fighting, yes. Robotech fans. <laughs> keep on fighting. But I'm curious. So what is your favorite kind of enemy or unit from Robotech? Oh, that's a that's a really good question. Um, so it definitely wouldn't be. So from Southern. So Southern Cross is sadly uh the era of robotech that is like it's nobody's favorite i mean it's it, it traditionally viewed as as having the the least good animation of the three not that it's bad but just the least good um it's it's you know humans fighting against essentially humans uh it's it's fine <laughs> i still there's still parts of it that i really enjoy some of the mecha is is great in that series but the bad guys mm-hmm. they're just in they're just in like big robot suits that there's not that much to it. 
Um, their spaceships are really weird looking, all these weird organic things to it. Um, mm-hmm. But the the core, the, the much more popular parts of Robotech are the first series where the enemies are the Zentradi. So when you first see them, they're these 30 to 50 foot tall, seemingly humanoid people in essentially disposable mecha. Uh, they're just mass produced things like TIE fighters, essentially. And mm-hmm. uh, and then you come to learn, you know, oh, well, they actually their DNA is very, very similar to humans. And why are they so big? And, you know, they're they're essentially an, uh, an purposefully engineered race of workers for a, a higher caste, basically. Uh, so they're really cool. And then a lot of them uh, become allies of the humans. And that leads into other stories, which is great. Uh, and you can interbreed with them, which is cool, too. Uh, and then in the the third generation of Robotech, what's called, quote unquote, the new generation, which then dovetails into the Sentinels. The bad guys are the Invid, uh, which is a just a marvelous idea of this species that's capable of uh, spontaneous evolution, essentially. So mm, they start mm-hmm. off as like these slug like creatures. But the there's a like a. It's essentially like a hive mind and the king and queen can evolve themselves and then go back and evolve their own creatures to serve as different things in their society and different kinds of soldiers and pilots and all this other stuff. Um, And then evolve some of them into humanoid looking things, even though they are still like these slug creatures. So the Invid are really cool. They've got a ton of really interesting mecha and, and things. Um, uh, but yeah, the the Invid are, are super cool. Um, they even like they they transform themselves into energy at some points to travel interstellar. It's uh, yeah. So the this the, the Zentradi they were great as like this this again like this this fear of giant things essentially because they're like just mm-hmm. giant people. Um, but then they become really good allies. The, the storyline is is really cool uh, with those things. But the Invid are probably the the more interesting scary enemy just there a lot of their mm-hmm. mechas is like crab and crustacean like with claws and things like that and they have cool spaceships too and that's that's what matters the cool mecha and everything yep. and cool villains so yeah but well that's gonna do it for another episode of rpg university scott thank you so much for coming out and uh nerding out with us today uh, oh it's my favorite thing to do i love I, I i love being <laughs> i love being a geek and sharing the things that i love with other, oh, yeah. other geeks is the best uh i love that geek is like the it, it it's so interesting to be kind of have lived through granted i the tail end i guess as it started to shift but like seeing where it's like oh you're a nerd there was like the nerds there was the jock there were the so many groups and then like nerd dumb and geek culture has just permeated like all the other groups it feels like yep and it's such a cool and welcome uh change but yeah every being a nerd and being a geek is awesome yeah everybody's a geek now I mean, look, all yep. of the all of the 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 top grossing movies, it's all geek stuff, all the TV shows, all the, you know, yep. everything. My, my mom knows, you know, who Groot is. I mean, like, who would have thought mm-hmm. any of this? You know, yeah. Like you said, 20 years ago yeah. when being a geek was not, well, <laughs> much less cool. Uh, or I don't know, maybe 30 years mm-hmm. ago. I'm, I'm old now. I get my I get my my eras mixed up. But yes, everybody's a geek. The now. 90s was still only like 10 years ago. Don't you know? <laughs> That's what it feels like. <laughs> 
yeah still 10 years ago but uh, uh but oh, no it's been such a good time chatting with you yeah the, and the only the one last thing i want to say um mm-hmm. so yeah you you mentioned at the at the outset so i my book naming your little geek which is available everywhere you can buy books online and in some bookstores uh it's a it's a Technically, it's a baby name book, um, but it has all the names of characters from all of our favorite properties. So you can be sure that I put just about every single name from Robotech is in my book. And I talk about all the characters because it's my book. I can do what I want. (laughs) Hell yeah. And, you know, I hope I have a little Fokker myself one day. There you go. (laughs) You know, my own little Fokker. But yes, thank you so much, Scott. Uh, where can I know you mentioned your book, but where can sure. people find you online? What do you have cooking? Go ahead and plug away. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm on all the social medias at Norse Meat. Uh, Norse like Vikings and meat like meat that you eat. Uh, it's just a fun name that I came up with, Norse Meat. Um, I stream on Twitch not as much as I used to. I'm busy with some other projects, but I try to pop on there from time to time. Um, I still stream with some other people. Uh, as you said, I, I stream most mm-hmm. Thursday nights with Hyper RPG doing Warhammer 40k. Um, my book, Naming Your Little Geek, is available now. Uh, it's great not only for naming kids, but naming anything. Your pets, your computer, your Wi-Fi network. If you're if you play role playing games, it's great for coming up with names for characters. If you're a GM and you need a quick NPC name, boom, it's right yeah. there. You can grab a name. Uh, I also I'm, I'm working on the follow up naming your little all star. So it's uh, naming kids based on names of athletes and sports stars throughout the years, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. And then, like I said, I write for figures.com and uh, I'm, I'm all over the place on the Internet. <laughs> Yeah, well, you do great stuff. I always love seeing and watching you uh, with the shout casting over on Hyper RPG with our, our good friends over there. Yeah. We've had Malika and Zach on here. Um, always fun to see you nerding out or doing Jessica, uh, her makeup or her <laughs> your makeup. Yep. Um, and everything. Um, oh, I know. So I, good I, to finally talk to you. I don't know if you've tu- if you've tuned in. So lately we've started doing tier lists uh, of of properties so we did we've done star wars and lord of the rings and most like tier list rankings when you do characters it's Mm -hmm. looking at like how powerful they are or how cool they are whatever Um, our tier lists are looking at these characters and how bangable they are how much we want to sleep with them So you can good one. I, I can't wait for the uh the macross episode or the robotech episode. For sure. (laughs) You know you should do uh a tier list for scots just scots there are a lot of us out there and oh and that was one of the oh it was really briefly uh one of the one (laughs) one of like the one of the reasons why robotech can uh, when i like i said i was six years old when it started playing on tv Mm -hmm. Uh, it was just so cool that it immediately caught me um but in the third generation of robotech the new generation the main character's name is scott bernard so it's a scott and my dad's last name was Bernard uh, or my dad's name was Bernard rather. Wow. So so like this one mm-hmm. character had both my name and my dad's name. It was like it was like it was meant to be <laughs> coolest thing ever. Yeah. Coolest thing ever. <laughs> but thank you to each and every one of you who's listened today. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service as I'd really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you'd like us to feature on an episode, tweet at underscore RPG University with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion or share your own favorite RPG or RPG memory directly with me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. 
As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind and know, be kind to one another. May you always roll high. Class dismissed. <laughs>